Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Tony Rostian and she, her, a program manager at MCP, and I am joined by an implementer, a DMCE, and a school leader, Masina. Welcome. Thank you. Excited to be here. Yeah, I've heard such great things about you, and I'm so excited to know more about your experiences. Thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast and finding time in your busy, busy schedule. You're also located in Zambia, and so the time zones really get me sometimes in scheduling with guests. So thank you so much for being patient with me. Um, So anyway, before we get started, how are you feeling? I feel good. We ended school a week ago, so I've spent the last week just vegetating happily And um, the only thing I had to concentrate on was doing this podcast. So, uh, yes, your timing is great for me. Thanks. Yeah. And I remember the first time I reached out to you, you were kind of like, you know, give me some time. (laughs) I have a lot of things to wrap up. And so I appreciate you being um, being truthful. Right. And just being like, when I have time, I'll reach back out to you. So I really appreciate it. And I love the fact that you're vegetating because as educators or people who work in education all know how stressful this position is or this job is. And so being able to vegetate and just kind of, you know, simmer and do absolutely nothing, I think is definitely needed to rejuvenate. Um, so thank you for sharing that. Um, so when now that we're getting started, tell us more about who you are and how you started your MCP journey. My name is Mohsina Nusar Kapatel, and I am originally from South Africa, but I moved to Zambia after I got married, and I've been in education for 15 years now. So when the pandemic, when we had our first two cases of COVID-19 in Zambia, the school closures happened overnight. And we had no time to sort of train our staff or figure out what to do. Um, We did, however, have the luxury of uh, the pandemic arriving a little bit later to us in the Southern Hemisphere. So we sort of could learn from, you know, our fellow educators in the Northern Hemisphere, what was working for them, what wasn't working for them. And at the time, I was doing my certificate in school management and leadership with uh, Harvard Graduate School of Education, and I had a fantastic asynchronous learning experience with them. They basically, the lecturers had created these short instructional videos, and they had built in discussions, reflection, and peer-to-peer learning. And I just became obsessed with the idea of translating that style to younger learners. And I have quite a vivid memory of that night, uh, Tony Rose. You know, my eyes opened at 4 a.m. and I just knew that I had to try. So I made myself a cup of coffee. I sat at my computer. I opened a free Canvas teacher account and I just started. And I got up from my computer a year and a half later. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, a wild ride the, the past uh, two years, we can say. So uh, that was basically our first attempt. So what I did is I created a standard template so we could have the same consistent style throughout the school. And my teachers went in and they added their lesson plans. And then we created a small little tech team. There was just basically four of us on the team. And we would go in behind the teachers and we would edit their work so that we could maintain the same style and standard across the school. And we had a lot of success. Uh, but we also had a few problems which I was struggling to figure out. 
uh, you know, problems like how can I be sure that the students have watched the videos? How, you know, have they actually understood the content? Is there a way for us to to check that? And it was about 30% of our students that hadn't really taken to, um, to the blended learning approach. And, uh, you know, of course, synchronicity, the universe sent us what we needed when we needed it most. And that was in the form of the MCP Edutopia video. So I watched it. And I sat back and I thought, wow, here is Rob Barnett and Kareem Farah, two educators on the opposite end of the world who see the same potential in this approach and have even taken it a step further. So the video had such a big impact on me that, you know, I didn't even save the name. I just knew that I would remember Modern Classrooms Project when I had a free moment. And that free moment only happened a year later. So this year in August, we were on our school break and our full curriculum was now up and done on the LMS and we were satisfied with uh, with what we had put up, but I was ready to learn more. So I did the free online course and then I sent a message to my team. Basically, guys, you know what? This is mandatory. I want all of you to go and do this free online professional development course. It is not going to be a waste. And here are a few questions that I want you to think about and reflect on in time for our staff meeting. And so we called, I called a whole school staff meeting and um, we just said, right, that's it. Everybody did the free online course. Everybody was on the same page. Um, we are going to go in and we are now going to become a blended learning school because uh, we already know that this works. It's amazing. We've had success. It's time to, to, do, to do more. So, you know, Tony Rose, have you ever been in one of those meetings where the entire energy in the room is just like crackling, like everybody is on the same page and it's amazing. And you just know that this is going to be one of those meetings that is just going to change you or change your school or change your team. And that was the kind of meeting that we had. So we all were so excited and we were so ready to say, yes, let's do it. Let's go with Modern Classrooms Project because they have answered the 30% of questions that we are struggling with and we don't need to reinvent the wheel. That sounds that sounds fascinating. I love when people are on the same page and we're all rooting for the same thing and really have that end goal in mind. And so that's it's really nice to hear you say that, right? Like, yeah, it was like, hey, I have this great idea. Um, all of our teachers are going to do it. And it seemed like all of your teachers are so pumped to do it um, just so that you can kind of just revamp how education has been, right? It's like you said, you've tried something for like a year and a half. And then you were like, I need to figure out how all of this comes together. And Robin Cream just made it work. Um, that was very similar to my experience. It's like I knew about instructional videos. I knew about LMS. I knew about mastery-based grading. I knew those three elements, those three components, and I didn't know how to put it all together. And so when I saw this model, I was just so amazed and so grateful for it because it was like, oh, it's like this makes sense the way that they are presenting it. Um, so before I have any other like follow-up questions about what you just said, um, can you tell us more about your school? Like how did it come about, the demographics, number of students, location, schedule, technology, like anything really. So that way our listeners can get a better sense of what your school is all about. We started as a parent-run uh, play group, basically. A group of moms had this idea that they wanted to homeschool their kids and um, they didn't know how, so they called me. Uh, on board. And then, of course, it was so much of work. Those moms eventually ended up leaving, but I saw potential. I thought, okay, um, you know, there's a niche in our market. We have two types of school in Zambia. We have uh, government schools and, well, 
uh, in private schools. And with private schools, there are also two types. There's local private schools and international private schools. International schools are unaffordable for most Zambians. And so that is where I saw the gap in the market. I wanted to start an affordable international pre and primary school. That was my vision. Um, and then after about 10 years, we uh, got somebody who believed in what we were doing. I think we had to spend some time proving ourselves, basically. And we expanded into primary. That was four years ago. Next year, we in January, we open our grade six. So we will be completely open as a, a pre and primary school. And um, four years ago, when we did move to our new premises, we had about uh, 40 students, maybe. And now in January, we'll have almost 160. So it's been uh, four years of a lot of growth and learning. It's been an incredible journey. And I'm just so blessed and uh, humbled that uh, I get to do this job. That sounds incredible, Masina. Like I'm, <laughs> that's really great that you were able to see a need and also wanted to provide um, something that wasn't provided before. So congratulations on that. That's really exciting news. And I'm excited for sixth grade for next year. Um, does that mean that you're going to be hiring for teachers? <laughs> Are you offering, Tony Rose? <laughs> Do you want to come and check out what Zambia has to offer? <laughs> Yes, of course, always. <laughs> um, you know, I love sixth grade. Sixth grade are my babies. <laughs> I know you say it in almost every podcast. And in almost every podcast, I smile when you say it because I completely understand. It's such a great uh, age to teach. They still love us. <laughs> and, yes. you know, they can think for themselves. They're independent. It's, it's fabulous. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, and so as far as technology is concerned, do kids have access to technology? Is it a one-to-one -one school? Um, how does that look like? It's not. Um, technology is, uh, okay, we are nonprofit schools. So basically, we cannot afford to get that many devices for our students. And I don't think that we at a stage yet where parents can accept that a device should be part of your stationary list. <laughs> so um, basically, that was one of the challenges that we faced initially. You know, how, I mean, this MCP model is fantastic, but it's a one-to-one -one model. Is there a way that we can adapt it and uh, make it uh, a work for, you know, a small group instruction or even whole class instruction? How do we do that? So that was one of our challenges that we had. Uh, but we have sort of figured it out, you know, in a way that works for us. And, you know, I think we've said this so many times that that's one of the best things about the model is the flexibility that it gives educators. Like, this is our idea. This is um, an example of how we do it. But please, by all means, do it in a way that makes sense to you and then share your examples with us so we can also be inspired and get new ideas. I love that about MCP. So that's exactly what we did. And I think that's really powerful for our listeners to hear as well, is that it, there's a misconception that you need one-to-one -one technology, right, for modern classroom to work out. And that's not the case. And um, and you said it beautifully, right? Like, this model is very flexible, and teachers and schools and districts can really embrace this model and how it works for them. There is no right or wrong. I say that all the time, I'm sure you know, since you listen to all of our podcasts. <laughs> but 
But okay, great. Thank you so much for that background information. I know that it's really, I'm always curious about different schools and how schools function. Um, and you said, Masina, that like your school ended, your school year ended recently. When does school start? We have three terms and our year begins in January. So it's basically four months a term, three months and then a one month holiday. So it just runs from January to November. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I know that when I was speaking to someone from another country, it was very similar to how the U.S. ran their school schedule. And so um, it's always interesting for me to find out how other countries run there as well, or just other schools, really. Okay, so um, tell us a little bit more about your role and how you're implementing the model while you're in your role, because you are working with adults, meaning you're working with your teachers. So how are you using Modern Classroom? Um, And just tell us a little bit more about your role. As the principal of the school, my students are the teachers. Uh, That's who I have to teach. Um, I believe in leading by example. And so the first thing that I did is... um, figured out if I can do this. Can I do it? If I can do it, then they can do it. I cannot expect my teachers to do something that is beyond me as well. So, you know, that was, as I mentioned earlier, the first attempt at uh, the LMS and figuring out the splendid approach. So that's what we did initially. And then once we did the MCP and we realized that this is, you know, the future for us as a school, this is what we want to do. It just became a question of figuring out how do we do this without these one-on-one devices, one-to-one devices? How do we do it? So we broke into smaller teams. There's three sections to our school, preschool, junior primary, and senior primary. So we broke up into smaller teams, and each team had to decide collectively what they were comfortable doing. So how is the preschool team going to implement MCP across the entire preschool? And how is that going to benefit or get the students ready for junior primary? And how is the junior primary team going to implement the MCP model across their department? And how is that going to ready the students for the senior primary? So that's what we did. Each uh, department does it differently. So for example, in the preschool, it's all about exposure to the LMS and to the learning style and to the MCP language. What is uh, an instructional video? What is a mastery check? What are exit tickets? Um, What are small group discussions? So, you know, what's visible thinking? Um, What, how do we make notes? And and they do, they do make notes. Even in a preschool department, they have a visible thinking wall and they draw sort of things that they've learned. Um, It's amazing what the preschool department has done with with the model. And then in the junior primary, what the team decide is is that they want more engagement to start happening. So um, that was their goal. And and they do it using uh, the smart TVs in the classroom, as well as a few devices, uh, which the students can, you know, sort of do a station rotation. And then in the senior primary, that is where the model starts now really coming together. So they are all about more engagement, more independence, the, you know, teaching, refining, note taking, getting these kids prepared for high school, which hopefully will happen. Um, the following year. So uh, 2023, we'll hopefully expand into high school. And that is where the MCP model is, you know, will hopefully look the way it's it looks in the Edutopia video. So everybody will come with their laptops. And um, now it's going to be, you know, self-based, mastery-based learning. So it's uh, it's an entire whole school effort. 
the way we are doing it. And every team has their goals and every team is accountable. And every team discusses their wins in our weekly meetings and our check-ins. So, so far, so good. Um, a couple of things that you said really stood out to me. I, I love how you and your team basically came up with the goals, right? So each team deciding collectively how they're implementing the model. And I love that each team is basically building upon each other's skills, right? So that by the time they get to high school, they're fully implementing the modern classroom model. Um, and I love that approach. I think it's really great to be chunking it and having conversations with each team to make sure that, like you said, they're held accountable. Um, and also just making sure that the students are, you know, in mind, like keeping them in mind. Um, another thing that I appreciate you saying, Masina, is that, you believe in leading by example. I completely, completely believe in that as well. I think sometimes our school leaders um, get so frustrated and overwhelmed with so many things that are happening, right? And I think sometimes they just kind of like say like, hey, do this, and then they don't do it themselves. And I think as teachers, we sometimes do that with our students as well, right? We want to give all the tasks, all the should do, aspire to do, must do assignments without completing them ourselves. And so we don't really know what the frustrations and the misconceptions and challenges are. So I really like how you wanted to get to know the process before telling your team or even like letting your team know about modern classrooms. So I really... I have such respect for that. Um, you saying you cannot expect your teachers to do something that you haven't done yourself. And I think as teachers, we also have to be mindful that we want to do the same for our students, right? We want to make sure that we do what we are telling our students to do. And this is something that I say all the time, too. So I'm really glad that you're able to um, to share that. Um, it's really great to hear how you're using the model and as well as your role. Um, and so now I learned that you became recently became a part of our DMCE family, which is really great. Welcome, by the way. Um, we're so happy to have you here. And I love the fact that, um, you're going to become a mentor. So we get to work with each other closely. Um, and so what motivated you to become a part of our DMCE family. Okay, so thank you for all those compliments, Tony Rose. And it goes back to basically what I was saying earlier, which is that I have to lead by example. So the reason why I went for DMCE, um, two reasons. Number one, personally, um, I just needed to know that what I was doing was uh, was correct. I needed that reassurance and that validation. And um, I wanted to learn from others who had more experience than me. So that was my uh, personal reason. And the second reason was to inspire my teachers. So if I can get the DMCE and I can do it so early on in our MCP journey, then so can they. And what we did is we took the submission form and we discussed it in our team meetings because I, I needed my team to know that they were already doing everything that the application was asking us for and that they've got this, you know. Um, sometimes when you live in a small country and you come from a small community, you forget that the grass is not always greener and that, you know, worldwide educators were experiencing the same challenges. And we've got this. We we did it and we know what we're doing. And the DMCE is the next logical step, not only for me, but for them too. And I'm so excited because one of our um, teachers actually submitted hers now in December and two more are hope, uh, hoping to do it early next year. So yeah, the more DMCE educators we have at our school, the more confident we are and the more our parents trust us. 
I love that. That's so exciting. So we're going to have more more of your teachers as part of our community. Um, and that's really great. And I know that, you know, before I'd asked you to be a guest for this podcast, you were like, just give me a moment to just kind of process and digest everything. And like, let me, um, let me listen to the podcast so I know what to expect. And I think it's really important too, that we were talking about it earlier, um, is that um, actually, I'll let you talk about it, Masina. What did you say about the podcast again and how that um, you were trying it at first and then you were like, oh, actually, <laughs> um, can you tell us more about that? Yeah. So um, I go for these walks at night. It's really hot in Zambia at the moment. Uh, it cools down really nicely at night. So I take some time for myself. I get my alone time. And I go for these walks and, you know, it's the only time that I can fit in listening to the podcast. And initially I just thought, oh my gosh, now my alone time is going to be taken up by listening and doing more work. But um, from the very first one, episode one uh, with Kareem introducing the model, and I found myself nodding and agreeing and umming and eyeing and yesing. And <laughs> uh, my walk was uh, so enjoyable. And, you know, before I knew it, I had hit 6,000 step counts and an hour had passed and I didn't even feel it. So for me, the podcasts are not a chore. The podcasts are my support system. I no longer feel alone in my wild ideas. I don't um, think that innovation is uh, something that's so beyond our reach. It's just so inspiring, fascinating. And you know what I personally love about the podcast is just how positive everyone is. If you remember, or I'm sure it's still happening um, we teachers, we got tired, we got exhausted, we got burnt out, and we got a little bit negative during the pandemic. And, you know, I didn't want that. I love my job. I want to keep loving my job. And everyone on the podcast loves their job. So um, I love the energy. I love the support. I love the information. I just love everything. So yeah, um, <laughs> episode number 68. <laughs> Later, it's uh, fantastic. I really enjoy it. Yeah. And then next, next talk, Masina, you'll be able to be like listening to yourself. <laughs> so I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm really happy that I have this opportunity to have this conversation with you. Um, and, and I know like you just made me chuckle cause you're like, Oh, with the podcast, like, you know, I was listening to music and I don't know if it's going to be boring. And I was like, Oh, that's a compliment. It's great. <laughs> we'll take it. Like, and I really love that this podcast is a support system for you um, because I do know like educators sometimes feel really lonely um, and isolated. And I know that we have some implementers out there who are the only ones implementing it in their school. And so um, as an organization, we try to make sure that we are always connecting with the teachers and providing them all the resources and support that they need to feel successful, right? And like you said, we've been really fortunate enough to have podcast guests that are just so enthusiastic um, and also real. They're super real and just like, you know what? I was burnt out. Um, I wanted to quit. And then I found this model and it just kind of rejuvenated everything for me. And it made me more excited to teach. It made me more excited um, to do my job. And I think like with this model as well, you know, it's a lot of work, right? Like, you're, you're, you're figuring it out with your team and it's a constant, like, it's a constant, like, it's just moving parts, right? Like, oh, this worked, this didn't work. Let me try this one. Let me try that. Um, and I think it's just being innovative and just having that time and space to try out different things is really important as well. 
But you, you know, just to comment on on something that you said earlier, the LMS, the way we look at it at school is that it is a living, breathing member of our team and our staff. It requires support. It re- it requires attention. It requires tweaking. Um, it is a, a major, major part of what we what we do. So. The workload, the initial workload that teachers, uh, maybe educators are a little bit reluctant about. I mean, that is a reality. It is a lot of work. It took us a full year and a little bit more than a year to to put up all that information. But that's the amazing thing. And, you know, if I had to give any, if there's any administrator listening, any principal listening out there, what I would say to you is our teachers need to submit lesson plans. That is part of our job. Why not digitize those lesson plans? Why not just try? Because if you do that, then what you're going to do is essentially you are going to immortalize the best of all your teachers. That's what you're going to do. So even if you get a new teacher next year or the following year, the work of your previously, you know, say Tony Rose was at your your school before, Tony Rose's work is still there. It's on the LMS. Your school owns it. And so you can still use uh, Tony Tony Rose's videos if you want, in even with the new teacher. And that's, you know, that's one of the things that one of the massive advantages here. So don't get paranoid or worried about the amount, the volume of work that this is going to take, because we are going to do that work either way. Either way, we're going to prepare those lesson plans. Either way, we're going to be, you know, putting on these performances for our kids in class. So do yourself a favor and record it. Clone your teachers, clone the best of what you have to offer, put it there on your LMS, and you will never look back, I promise you. Masina, you're dropping gems and I love the word immortalize. What? That's a beautiful way of putting it, right? And this is what Kate always says too, which is cloning, being able to clone yourself, being able to access all of those resources so that if you were to hire a new teacher, they already know what the lessons are. There's some guidance to it. So um, yes, all beautifully said. Um, So we'll just take a quick break for right now, um, just for our love note, and then we'll be right back. Hello, Modern Classrooms Project podcast listeners. I've just been blown away by this conversation with Mosina, and I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. I have a love note for you from a teacher. This one's from Sandra R. Brown, a teacher from actually a pretty unique environment, a public charter school for adults in Washington, D.C. This is Dr. Sandra R. Brown from Academy of Hope Adult Public Charter School in Washington, D.C., What I love most about the Modern Classroom Project is how inclusive the program is for all levels of learning. Even though the program is designed for K through 12, I am able to modify the program to appeal to adult learners. Thank you for the many wonderful resources that are readily available to me and all participants. Before we get back into it with Tony Rose and Mosina, just another quick reminder to get excited for some changes and updates coming soon. The first episode that I'll publish in the new year will feature me and Tony Rose detailing and explaining some of those changes. So that's coming up. But for now, let's dive back into this incredible conversation with Mosina. 
Well, welcome back. Um, thank you for um, just all the gems that you said, Mosina. This was awesome. And so um, I guess we can kind of shift gears, right? And let's talk about some, um, and you've already mentioned some celebrations and challenges, but do you want to name at least like one or two celebrations and challenges with the model so far? Okay, so um, for our celebration, I want to tell you a quick story about one of our students who was struggling a lot during the school closures. So when we returned to school, they were on must-do level. And um, one of our core values at school is connection before correction because, you know, children are... I always say that parenting is not very different from teaching. We have a lot of similarities between the two. And I say this because when you're a parent, you need to accept the child that you have. You need to accept them, whether they're good, they're bad, they're, uh, you know, for everything, just for who they are. And that your child is never going to um, listen to you, never going to, you're not going to be a role model for your child if you do not connect with them. And that is exactly the same with teaching, except that teachers have to do it with 20 to 30 students, whereas parents just do it with however many they plan to have. So um, connection before correction is one of our core values at school. And this teacher, basically, she took time out and she just connected with the student. And they progressed from must do to should do and even managed to hit one aspire to do comprehension before school closed. And I have if you can get one child to believe that they can do it, then we've succeeded at our job. So this was our biggest celebration. And it was a win. Uh, for me, it was a double win because my teacher was so excited about it and the student was so motivated. And, you know, that parent-teacher's meeting was one for the records. Those parents were absolutely shocked. Is this the same child? Yes, it is. And this is what happens when a student learns to believe in their own abilities. So, um, yeah, that was our celebration. And one of our challenges or one of the biggest lessons that we learned this year with the MCP model is the importance of mastery checks. So we had, and not only mastery checks, but the students doing those mastery checks independently, because we had a learner who was basically pairing with one of our high achieving students and doing their mastery checks with the student. And we did not pick up that there were, um, there were some, you know, basic, there were performance gaps there and that the student didn't necessarily understand the work. And we figured this out like too, way too late at the end of the year and there was just no going back. So that was the biggest lesson that we learned is the value and importance of focusing on those mastery checks. And we had lots of uh, lots of great wins, but I think uh, the one that I mentioned was uh, definitely a standout. Yeah, and uh, and again, it, it's not just you, right, Masina? It's like there's a lot of implementers that are actually struggling with that as well. It's trying to figure out how can we get our students to be self-directed learners and really just focus on being independent when it, independent learners, especially when it comes to like mastery based learning. Um, and so it's a really good way for us to reflect and be like, okay, how can we then like shift and, um, uh, revisit that? Like what, what went well, what didn't go well? And, um, I like that you're able to name that. And so, um, another thing that's really, um, impactful from this model by this model, um, is that, the whole concept of connection before correction, right? Um, I know in the mod in in our model, we always talk about social emotional learning, and just being able to check in with students and really make those um, 
connections with students. So it's really, it's nice to hear that, hey, like this student is struggling. And instead of focusing on like, and punishing them for not doing their work or misbehaving or whatever it may be, your teacher was able to really sit down and get to know your students. I am a firm believer that, you know, our kids are not going to learn from us if they know that we don't actually care about them. Um, And I'm also grateful that you had the parent perspective, because that is something that I do not have. And you're absolutely correct, right? Like as teachers, I always tell my students, like, you all are my babies. Like, (laughs) I don't have babies of my own, but you all are my babies. And I think think it's it's really good for us educators and even parents right to keep in mind like connection before correction and that way our our young learners our students really value being heard and feel listened to and feel as if like oh okay like I matter um, we're not just focused on the content we're not just focused on you making sure that I pass and not really caring about me as a human being so um Thank you for sharing your celebration and your challenge. You spoke about, you know, learning from our mistakes and things like that. And I just want to tell you one of the things that we do at our school. We talk about the triangle of accountability, where at the one point is us as a school, at the other point of the triangle is the student and their effort. That's all we expect. We cannot give our best effort every day. It's just humanly not possible, especially with the with the things that, you know, kids experience in, in their homes or in their communities or wherever they're coming from. Um, it's just not possible to give your best effort every day, but we do expect effort. So that's the student. And then closing the triangle is our parents. And as parents, we do have a responsibility. Um, we have a role to play in our kids' education. It's not just about paying fees and then, uh, you know, palming our kids off to Uh, strangers, essentially, and telling them, okay, well, that's your job, not mine. So at our school, the way we target this is, um, like I said, the LMS is a living, breathing member of our staff. And it's my job as a principal to make sure that every point of our triangle is closed and everybody is getting what they need from it. So my teachers are getting um, these digitized uh, lesson plans. Um, they have a brilliant LMS that's supporting them. We also put our professional development um, on the L- in the LMS. So that's where I support my teachers. And the students, I mean, they love it. They have the school in their pocket, basically. So, you know, that's definitely uh, their, their goal is met. They feel supported. But the final one is the parents. So... I have three kids and uh, two of my two older ones are in high school. And there are moments when they come home from school and I ask them, you know, well, what did you learn today? Or uh, do you have any homework? And, you know, they're teenagers. So they say, no, no homework. Or I've done it or didn't really learn anything new. And I wish that I always wished for the support. Like, isn't there some way that I can know exactly what they're doing? So what we did is we created a digital homework diary. So we added it into the LMS. It's part of our week. At the end of every week, there's a a page that says homework diary. And that is where we alert the parents to this is the new topic that they've started in science. And here's a revision video of what they did in science this week. And there's a revision mastery check that we've added in that homework diary. Because you and I both know that it is so easy for students to fall between the cracks. It's just so easy for them to get away with not learning, even though the entire purpose of coming to school is to learn. (laughs) We still have so many students who come to school and don't learn. So what we wanted is just that final mastery check to be done 
with their parent support. So if at the end of the term, a parent is sitting in my office and we have this triangle of accountability, there's it will be so easy for me to pinpoint where something went wrong. Was it with the teachers? Was it with the student? Or was it with the parent? Um, so yeah, that was one of the biggest takeaways and one of the biggest tweaks and refinements that we've done uh, to the model at our school. I really love that you encourage and welcome our caregivers and families to be a part of this process to make sure that there is that triangular accountability um, because we do have our caregivers and families as part of this learning process. It's not just the student and the teacher and the school leader, right? And I think sometimes as educators, we forget that our families are there as thought partners. Um, and so when I started this model, Masina, I love the fact that my students can watch the videos at home so that with their families so that they can have those conversations and there's not a gap anymore, right? Of like, what did you learn? Well, show me what you learned. Let's watch this instructional video together so that I can learn the way that Ms. D is teaching you. Um, and there's not there's not a miscommunication anymore, right? I know um, there's been a lot of memes and gifs about um, teaching math, right? And as a parent, you don't know how to teach math to your students, to your, um, to your, yeah, to your students, your kids. And so I think the instructional videos are really great for, um, families to access. And so I appreciate you mentioning families and caregivers and parents and making sure that they're part of the conversation and part of the learning, um, experience, because I think it is really important. And so how has this model impacted your teaching and learning perspective? <laughs> I think the better question is how hasn't it impacted me? The first word that comes to mind is confidence. It's made my entire team more confident in our ability as teachers. And this has happened because of two things that I can think of. Number one, um, our effort is there. It's clear for everybody to see. So, you know, as a teacher, when you go home, there are moments where you wonder, did I actually teach? You know, what have I done? Do I deserve this break? Should I be trying something new? Should I be doing something more? No, you shouldn't because you want to know how much work you did. Here it is. It's clear to see on the LMS for everybody. So it's given us confidence in that way. And the second way, and this is a perk that, again, if there's anybody, any principals, any administrators out there, uh, pay attention. This is, uh, for me, one of the greatest advantages is, you know, we don't have time to go into classrooms and watch our teachers teach. It's something that we love to do because feedback is it's crucial for teachers and students. So I don't have time to do that. But now I do. All I need to do is press play and watch them in action. So what we do is um, teachers who are comfortable with uh, showing the rest of the team their videos, we, we watch each other's videos and we give each other feedback. And we've learned so much from, you know, each other just doing it this way. So it's transformed us. It's made us more confident. It's um, removed that nagging little imposter syndrome. And it's given us a, a massive support system. The MCP educators are fantastic and ever ready to help. And um, I think at the moment, at this stage, more than anything, teachers need a pat on the back and they need to be reassured and told that you guys are doing an amazing job in extremely challenging uh, circumstances. And we see you and we acknowledge you. And MCP has given us that. 
Mosina, I'm literally jumping up and down <laughs> listening to your answer because I have to agree, I never had the words to articulate exactly how it's impacted my teaching. And you're absolutely correct with confidence. It has made me way more confident in focusing on one or two skills for my students to learn. And then just being able to be transparent with what, with all the work that I've done, but also everyone knows where we're going. The students know how many lessons, right? The parents and the families and caregivers, they know exactly what the unit is about, what the mastery check looks like. And so I thank you for giving me those words to articulate exactly how I had been feeling, but didn't have the words. Um, and that was another question that I was going to ask as well, was that do your teachers watch videos together, like each other's videos? And you just answered it, right? Beautifully. Um, and you had a really good point about feedback and observation is that sometimes as school leaders, right, like it's a little bit challenging for us to schedule an observation just to pop in and see how everything's going. And now all you have to do is press play and you get to see the magic happen with the instruction, uh, the instructional videos. Um, and I just love that you pointed out that, you know, it, it gets, it kind of pushes away that nagging imposter syndrome um, that I think a lot of our educators feel. And, you know, and you question yourself like, am I really doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And your response is go back to your LMS and you'll see exactly everything that you're doing. So pat yourself on the back and say, good job. You are doing an incredible job. And I think sometimes we just need permission to hear that and permission to celebrate everything that we have done. Um, and so thank you for doing that. Thank you for being supportive with your teachers and just making sure that they feel feel validated and heard and celebrated. That's all really beautiful, especially as a school leader. And so um, what do you hope to see in the future and what goals do you have? Well, I mean, personal goals, uh, obviously, I'm, I want to get my expert mentor next and uh, I'm already enrolled in that. So let's hope that gets done fairly soon. And then goals for the school, well, for my team, I would like more of them to get their DMCE um, certification. I want them to, you know, see what I see in them. I, I need them to see what I see in them. They are a fantastic team. And um, I think that the challenge that I set, having a vision uh, for our school and whole school implementation is not an easy thing to do, but, you know, they rose to the challenge and I appreciate and value them and I, I want them to 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 see that for themselves. So that's my goal for the team. And then for our school, the overall vision is, as I mentioned earlier, that by the time our kids reach grade seven, we want them to um, to have full engagement in the MCP model the way it's supposed to to happen. I want them to. I want my high school students to be treated like the almost adults that they are. You know, just a little bit of a, a deviation to tell you something about myself. I do not like rules. I don't like rules. Let me rephrase that. I don't like rules that don't make sense. And schools, for some reason, love rules. Everything is a rule. You can't eat. You can't uh, talk. You can't take, you know, go to the bathroom when you when you want to. You're not even free to do that. You've got to raise your hand and ask permission. I, I, I am just not a fan of all these rules. <laughs> um, so for me, when we hit the high school level, I want to my high schoolers to feel like they are people and not just, um, you know, uh, 
a student number who has to follow a million rules that don't make sense to them either. So that's my vision for for the high school. I want them to learn in a way that actually makes sense to the real world. So the environment that they're learning in in schools is so different compared to what actually happens in real life. I mean, we exist and we we grow in this bubble where, you know, we're told what to think, when to think, how to think, when to talk, when to write, when to sleep. Oh my gosh, so many, so many rules. And then we go out into the real world and learning does not happen like that in real life. So for me, I want real life learning to start. I want us to actually see that from a school level. It shouldn't just you know, you join a workforce and all of a sudden you're collaborating with people and you're independent and you're expected to meet deadlines and you've never had that experience before. That is not what I want for my students. So, yeah, that's my vision. Um, just just amazing um, alternative, well, not alternative, a realistic version of learning. That's what I want. Masina, I believe that you and I are going to be besties soon. Um, <laughs> our values align so well. And I just, I am like snapping my fingers and cheering you on as you speak. Um, because I am also a firm believer, right? Like, I don't like rules that don't make sense. I feel like rules are meant to be broken, but only if you understand the rules, right? And you have a good sense of why that rule is in place. And again, you know, just finishing off this podcast with compliance, we don't want our students to be compliant. We want them to take ownership in their learning. We want them to be active learners. We want them to have critical thinking skills and to be able to make decisions based on what is the best thing for them. And so with that being said, Sina, thank you so much for being in this podcast. I'm so excited for you to be a part of our um, modern classroom family as a DMCE and as a potential mentor. And I'm excited to continue getting to know you more. So again, thank you so much for your experiences, for your expertise, and just taking this time to share all of that. Uh, well, you know, thank you for having me and thank you for inviting me. It's just been an absolute pleasure. And I guess I look forward to listening to episode 68 on my walk. All right, listeners, so we'll see you all next week. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj. That's P R O J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Modern Classrooms.